Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here today on this special Baptism Sunday. But uh, today is also the last Sunday in the small group series, although we do have one extra message we're going to get out of James for next week. But I'm going to say that uh, today as we talk about prayer, my prayer is that your hearts will be once again set on fire and that you'll be willing to pray. Uh, by the way, before I go any further, I just want to say just again how thrilled we are to have uh, Delson here along with Lion Peter and Mondesta. God bless you guys. I brought them by my brother's shop on Friday, and uh, I asked uh, Lion Peter to share his story with the staff at his office. And I, within just minutes, everybody was sitting there just wiping their ears, uh, eyes, I mean, <laughs> their, their ears too, because the tears were flowing into their ears. Um, the, uh, their, their hearts were really touched by his testimony. And I know that uh, I mean, we're just so blessed to have them here with us. So I really hope that if you haven't got your ticket yet for the banquet, that you'll uh, make uh, your way to the kiosk at the end of the service and get whatever tickets are left. Jesus and his disciples traveled throughout the land of Israel preaching the gospel, uh, talking about the fact that the kingdom of God was at hand. Jesus and his disciples were casting out demons and healing people. Jesus was teaching what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And people were literally being transformed. People were being raised from the dead. It was really exciting times in the, in the life of the country of Israel. As Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, he stopped at a town called Bethany and he uh, needed to eat, and uh, so he stopped, knocked on the door of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and said, hey, we're here for dinner. Now, remember this. This is in the days when there's no texting. There's no cell phone to phone ahead and say, hey, we're coming. There's no email. There's nothing. It was just sort of, you know, show up at the door, and it's kind of like if, you've, if you saw The Hobbit, the 12 dwarves showing up at the, the front door of, of poor Bilbo's house. And this is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus was here with all the disciples. And now suddenly, Martha and Mary have got to prepare a big meal for all these disciples. The problem is, is that while Martha understood that she had a, an important job to do, she's got to feed all these people, Mary somehow forgot her responsibility. And so we find Mary sitting in the next room at the feet of Jesus, listening to all that Jesus has got to say. And, and Martha's there. She's cooking and preparing and looking over her shoulder every now and again at her sister, wondering, okay, is she coming now? Is she coming to help me? Is she coming to get this job done? And we've got a lot of people here. And she's muttering under her breath. And Mary is like totally oblivious to the fact that her sister is preparing a meal uh, for, for 12 people, uh, not including them. Finally, Mary, uh, Martha can't stand it, and she goes to Jesus, and she says, Sir, this doesn't, seem, this doesn't seem fair to me. Tell my sister to get off her butt and get into the kitchen and help me prepare this meal. I'm paraphrasing a bit. And uh, <laughs> Jesus response to her is really quite shocking. And Jesus says to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. Now listen to this. Jesus says, there is really only one thing 
worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And I won't take it away from her. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. So here's Martha, totally stunned. She thought for sure that Jesus would be on her side. I mean, Jesus surely can understand that preparing food for, what, 15 people? That's that's not a small task. Surely Jesus would understand that what she was doing was the most important thing at that moment. And Jesus says, no, this is not the important thing. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now. Because for most of us, we get really confused and mixed up about what is really important in life. We forget about what really matters. And for Martha, what really mattered was getting a meal prepared. That's what she was worrying about. In fact, that's what the Bible says. She was jittery. She was worrying She was concerned about a meal. But Mary was concerned about the most important thing of all, and that was being in the presence of Jesus. Let the Spirit speak to you. What is the most important thing in your life? What concerns you? What keeps you awake at night? What fills your mind and bothers you? What makes you jittery? What makes you uptight and anxious? And Jesus tells us the most important thing of all is being in the presence of him. How do you spend your time? What do you do with your life? How is it that you call yourself a follower of Christ and yet you completely forget the importance of being in his presence? To be a follower of Christ To be a Christian means that you are constantly praying. Now, what do we mean by prayer? Because that sounds like such a religious term, and it seems maybe a little intimidating. And some of you will say, I don't pray much, and I mean, I'm not, I'm really not the praying type, and I don't really know how to pray, so, you know, Pastor, maybe this message is not for me today. You couldn't be more wrong. Let me just remind everybody about what prayer is. Prayer is simply communication. It's simply talking to God. It's simply pouring out your heart, your thoughts, your feelings to your Lord and your Savior. That's what prayer is. You don't have to get special training for it. You don't have to get a book of prayers and read somebody else's prayer. All you need to do is get into the presence of Jesus and pour out your heart to him. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him what's going on in your life. Now, can I just remind everybody of this? You and I were created for communion with God. You and I were created to talk to God. That's that's what we were created for. When, we, uh, when our kids were younger, we took them to SeaWorld. And one of the thrilling things, of course, is watching the dolphins and the, the whales, orca whales, killer whales, watching them do these amazing tricks. Uh, you know, this massive multi-ton whale spinning through the water, jumping up in the air. Or not jumping, but you know what I mean. Whatever you call what whales do. Flying in the air. Absolutely majestic in their ability to maneuver through the water. 
But you take a whale out of water, and what have you got? You got a massive blubbery thing that flops on the seashore. It's not what they were created for. They weren't created for dry land. They were created to swim. Now, I want you to recognize today that you were created to swim with God. You were created to commune with God because that's what prayer is. Or another word, you were created to fellowship with God. And you will never be happy, you will never be fulfilled as a follower of Jesus Christ until you learn what it means to fellowship with him on a regular basis. Now, some of you are sitting here today and saying, Pastor, there's nothing I would like more about. I haven't got a clue how to pray. In fact, I'm not even sure why I should pray because the few times that I've tried it, nothing happened. I prayed a few times and, you know, I got into the presence, of, the presence of God, whatever that is, and closed my eyes and I said a few things. I didn't hear anything. I gave it a shot, but nothing happened. Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China in the late 1800s. He's called one of the great missionaries of all time. And because of his ministry in China, Literally millions and millions and millions of people today in China are followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, the population, the Christian population in China is far greater than the full population of Canada. And many people say that a great part of that is due to Hudson Taylor. What was his secret? Well, Hudson Taylor is a very busy man, very, very busy. He's translating scripture, he's writing books, he's... he's uh, Remember, this is the day when they didn't have email and the mail system wasn't that hot. Everything was, you know, written by hand. He was writing letters. He was raising support. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was traveling. And he had an, an amazing impact on that country of China. And he says that the reason for his success as a missionary was that every morning he arose at 2 a.m. to pray until 4 a.m. That was his practice on a daily basis, 2 to 4 a.m., praying, crying out to God, asking God for help. Now, for most of us, we have a very immature understanding of prayer. We think that when we, when we pray to God, it's like going to a vending machine. You know, you see that, that Mars bar in the vending machine, and you think, well, what number is that? That's triple uh, E4. Punch that in, put in my two bucks, and I get my chocolate bar. Can I remind everybody today that that's not how God operates? You don't come to God and say, God, that's what I want now. I like it right now. And many people, this idea, if they don't get what they want when they ask for it, then therefore God does not hear them and that prayer does not work. The problem with us, folks, is that we don't really understand what prayer is. Some of us see God as though he were some sort of a magic genie in a lamp. Rub the lamp a few times, the genie pops out and he gives you your three wishes. That's not God. So here's what you and I need to understand. Prayer is all about nurturing and maintaining a relationship with God. It's simply talking to God. What an insult it would be if I treated Gloria the way most of us treat God. If I said, Gloria, I would like, I like my meal now, and here's what I want. Prepare me filet mignon, get me some potatoes mashed, please, with the skins on, with a little bit of garlic and butter on that, please, and I wouldn't mind some broccoli with some cheese on it. Alan, we don't have any cheese in the house. Well, that's okay, you can go get some. Alan, we don't have filet mignon. Well, that's okay, you can get some. I'll wait. 
she would be insulted. How long do you think we would be married? How long do you think she would be happy with her husband if all I saw that she was some sort of a vending machine where I get what I want when I ask for it. So it is in your relationship with God. You don't come to God and just give him your your Christmas list of things that you want and say, God, do your thing, work your magic, wave your magic wand and give me what I want. That's not God. Prayer is what Mary was doing, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him and getting her... Her heart and her mind aligned with the heart and the mind of God. The thing we recognize in the teachings of Jesus Christ is that prayer is actually the centerpiece of the Christian faith. There is no alternative. Jesus says the one thing, the only one thing that you need to do is get into the presence of God. I know some will say here today, well, you know, Pastor Alan, prayer really isn't my thing. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, a, of a busy kind of guy. Some people have got the gift of prayer. We'll let those people do the praying. Or we'll let the old people who are too tired to do anything else, we'll let them do the prayer. I'm more of a busy kind of guy. I'll feed the poor. And, you know, I'll do ushering for you, pastor. And, and uh, I'll, I'll give money. I'll give a little bit of cash every now and again if you need it. And I'll fight for justice. And I'll maybe even teach and preach. But don't ask me to pray. But Jesus says it's not an option. There's no alternative to prayer. Yes, by all means, help the poor and the needy and take care of justice issues. Yes, and teach and preach and whatever. Do all that. But that's not a substitute for prayer. That's not a substitute for meeting with God and letting your heart connect with his heart. The book of James is considered to be the oldest book in the New Testament, the oldest literature, piece of literature that comes to us in the early church. In that book of James is clear instructions as to how you and I are called to live as followers of Jesus Christ. And James comes to the end of his letter and he says, and here's what you need to do. You need to pray. He says in James chapter five, verse 13, are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing, sing praises, which is another form of prayer. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And by the way, the way that Mark anointed our poor friend here with a bucket of water, that's not how we do it, <laughs> just so you know. But James says, such prayer offered in faith, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. And then he goes on to say, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want to see wonderful results. Would would anybody give me an amen on that? Yeah. Elijah, James says, was human, was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So what's James telling us here? Is he trying to give us the magic formula so we can break break the, the prayer code, you know? 
I know that James promises us results and great power, but how do we get it? Well, here's how we get it. James points to Elijah as an example for us, and I don't have time to tell you the whole story of Elijah, but I recommend that you go to your Old Testament, read it in the, in, uh, in the book of Kings. Elijah, for Elijah, prayer was all about getting his mind and his will and his purpose aligned with the mind and the will of God. Now, if you're having a nap right now, here's a time to wake up and hear this point, because this is what you need to go home with. And then you can go back to sleep after if you like. (laughs) Prayer, listen to me, prayer is about getting your heart, your mind aligned with the heart and the mind of God. So in other words, it's not... Not that you go into the presence of God and you start giving him commands and demands. I mean, how arrogant and crazy is that, that we, the mere human, would go into the presence of Almighty God and give him instructions? How many know today that God does not need your instruction? The omnipotent, the almighty one, the omniscient one, does not need you to tell him how to run the universe. He does not need you to tell him how to love and care for people. He loves the people that you love far more than you ever will. So what is it that prayer is all about? It's all about you and I getting our hearts and our minds aligned with God's heart. That's what prayer is. Let me give you, for instance, yesterday, here's a trick, here's a trick question for the men. What was yesterday? I'm not sure about that. Uh, now, if I ask the ladies, what was yesterday? Ah, Valentine's Day. Woo! All the women know it. The men are, oh, I, I don't know. Was a, I know. So, uh, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. It was Saturday. It was Valentine's Day. I was sitting there thinking about my relationship with my wife, and I explained to Delson and, and the boys in the first service that Valentine's Day is a day where we celebrate love and romance. And I asked them if they did that in Burundi, uh, celebrate romance and love. Uh, and they must because there's children there. <laughs> For the grown-ups. <laughs> and I, I asked myself the question, like, what is it, how is it that Glory and I after 25 years of marriage, are happier today than we were when we first got married. We thought we were crazy in love. I didn't think that anybody could be more in love, and I mean, Gloria will tell you the same. But after 25 years of being with this wonderful woman, I am closer to her. I know her better. She knows me better. We are really one. Now, that shouldn't come as a surprise considering that this is exactly what God said in Genesis. When a man and woman come together, they become what? One. They become one flesh. How did that happen? How did we become so close? It's got to the point, people, where Gloria and I just have to look at each other without saying anything. And I know what she's thinking, and she knows what I'm thinking. In fact, she can anticipate me. She can complete my sentences, and I can complete her sentences but she's better at it than me. We, we know each other that well. We're that close to one another. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that there's a reason for that. And it's because from, the, from day one, Gloria and I got into the habit of communicating with one another. Now, I just want to make a statement here. 
about your marriage and about the relationship that you may have. You can never, ever have a relationship with anyone unless you communicate. No communication equals no relationship. And guess what? Same thing applies to your relationship with God. If you don't communicate with him, then you'll have no relationship. So here's what prayer is. Prayer is all about coming to God and talking to him. I remember times when Gloria and I would go out on dates. I would pick her, pick her up for breakfast. We'd go for breakfast to the country kitchen. How many remember country kitchen? This goes back many, many years ago. I don't think there's any left today. But we'd go there for breakfast, and we would leave her on supper time. And what are we doing? We're just sitting there and talking. We're not sitting there and eating. <laughs> We're sitting there and, and, and talking. And she'd share her ideas, I'd share my ideas, I'd share my thoughts, she'd share her thoughts. We laugh, we tell jokes, we talk, we visit back and forth. Who's ever back there with the tape? Could you stop, please? <laughs> Someone's preparing for baptism. Now, let me, just, let me just remind everybody of this. If you and I are going to have a relationship with God, then you are going to have to learn what it means to pray. This is not optional. We need to establish that fact before we go any further. You need to get in the habit of praying. And I'm going to tell you this. If Jesus needed to pray, then so do you need to pray. Jesus, when he chose his disciple, first he went and got away and he prayed. And he asked God for direction and instruction. And after he'd spent time in prayer, the Gospels tell us, Jesus chose his disciples. And further on, we read that when Jesus wanted to know where to go next and what to do next, what did he do? He went and prayed. And after he'd prayed, he knew where to go and what to do next. And before he healed people, he went and he prayed. And, and God showed him what to do next. And watch this. And even as he prepared to go to the cross, what did he do? He prayed first. And he prayed a prayer like you and I would pray. He said, God, I know that the cross is before me, but if there's any way out of this, if there's another way we can do this, can, can we do that instead? Now watch this. Jesus did not pray, God, deliver me from the cross. I'm not going. I don't want this. Kill the, the soldiers as they're on their way to come and get me. Kill them. Destroy them. No, he doesn't do that. What does he pray? He prays, Father, not my will, but yours be done. What's he doing? He's aligning his heart and his mind with the heart and the mind of the Father. That's what prayer is. Prayer is learning how to know what God wants. It's learning to do what God wants you to do. It's not so much you telling God what to do, it's God telling you what he wants done. So how do we pray? When I was living, in, actually when Gloria and I were in Greece together as missionaries, one of the things that uh, you often see, in the middle of the day, suddenly the cars would pull over to the side of the road and people would get out with their mats and put them out and, and you'd see uh, people kneeling down to pray. And they were Muslims, Muslims praying. And if you are familiar with Islam at all, you know that one of the five pillars, actually the second pillar of Islam is that you need to pray five times a day. And I used to think to myself, man, these are such devoted people, so religious, and why don't Christians do this? And how come Christians aren't as devoted to prayer as these Muslims are? Well, it turns out that we do have something similar. And in fact, if you look through the Old Testament and if you look at the early church, you'll discover that there were set times for prayer. 
at the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour, at 9 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 3 p.m. This was a time when everybody went to pray. It was a time observed by Old Testament saints. It was observed by New Testament believers, by the apostles, and even Jesus Christ himself went and prayed at the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour, 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. Three times a day we see Daniel praying in the book of Daniel. At the third hour, the Bible says believers were meeting in the upper room, experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke in tongues at the third hour of prayer. Now, can I just remind everybody of something today? These 120 people who were gathered together in the upper room to pray, because it's the third hour, the time of prayer, would have missed out on this great supernatural experience, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if they said, you know what, I'm too tired to go for prayer today. Hun, you go for me. I'm staying home and I'm watching TV. Or if they said, you know what, I'm too busy right now. I don't have time to do this. Uh, I'll catch it next time. Those faithful followers of Jesus Christ who met to pray experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, listen. Because they showed up for prayer. Now, so many people will say to me, man, how come we don't experience those, those great things that we read about in the New Testament? Why don't we see more miracles? Why don't we see more of the, of the action and the power of God at work? I'll tell you why. Because we don't show up for prayer. We don't, we don't show up to meet with God. In the ninth hour, the Bible says that Peter and John went up to the temple to pray because that's the time of prayer. The early church did that on a regular basis. The Bible says that Cornelius, when he, was, when he was praying and looking for God at the ninth hour, he was praying because it was a time to pray. And Peter had a vision from God at the sixth hour when he went to that place of prayer, the third, the sixth, and the ninth. Times of prayer, times of meeting with God. Now, here's the thing you will recognize, because this is really not rocket science, and I don't want anybody going here, away from here saying, well, if I could just remember, is it the third, the sixth, or the ninth, and do I pray at all of them, or some of them? And it's, it's just, Let's just recognize what we're talking about here. We're just talking about regular times of meeting with God, to talk to him. What are you struggling with right now? Have you got a scheduled time in your calendar where you go to meet with God? That's what they did in the, new, in the early church. And I'm telling you, these are people, most of them are illiterate. They don't read. They don't have books to read, to be coached on how to be a better prayer warrior. No, they're just simple folks who are saying, oh, we pray on the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour. We just pour our hearts out to God. We tell them what's bothering us. We tell them what we need. We tell them where we're at and how we're struggling. That's all prayer is about, folks. It's about coming into the presence of Almighty God and finding out what God wants for you and for me. Most of us say, you know, Pastor Alan, you know, I'm way too busy to pray. Hmm. Can I just remind everybody of something? We in the 21st century, or the 20th century, the 21st century, we didn't invent busyness. People have been busy through the centuries. I think of Martin Luther, the great reformer. And he said this. He said on, on a regular basis, he would pray every day for two hours, except when he was very, very busy. And then someone said, well, what do you do when you're very, very busy? He goes, oh, well, that's when I pray for three hours. And he said, because I would never get done all that God wants me to do 
if I didn't first meet with him and get my heart and my mind aligned with his. That's what prayer is. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he is busy leading a reformation. He's training young men for the ministry. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's translating the Bible into German. Remember, everybody only ever had a Latin Bible at that time. He's translating it into German. He's writing books. He's got meetings, and he says, I'm just too busy not to pray. Now, look, I'm not suggesting everybody go home and try to schedule three hours of prayer into your day. You'll be be done in a week. You'll never be able to do it. But here's what I would recommend. Try praying three times a day for 15 minutes or even 10 minutes. Schedule it into your calendar, maybe at the beginning of the day, before you go to work or on your way to work. Put something, plug your ears, close your eyes, and just be quiet and silent and intentional about talking to God. And not just talking to him, but listening to him. And at the lunch hour, go hide somewhere. Plug your ears. Turn off your radio, turn off the earbuds or whatever, and just listen to God and tell him what's in your heart. God, I'm having a hard time at work this morning. My boss is driving me nuts. Strike him dead. No, don't don't do that. Don't do that. God, help me to cope. Help me to cope. Help me to to reveal Jesus to the people I work with by my lifestyle because, God, I'm really struggling today. This is what we're talking about. And at 3 o'clock, when you have your coffee break, go hide. Rather than standing around the water cooler gossiping, get alone with God and pour out your heart to him. We're talking about what's natural, what's easy. When I want to spend time with Gloria, I don't schedule it in. I don't say, Gloria, I'll take you at, uh, let's say, we'll take you at 6.45 to 8.45, and we'll have a dinner together. We'll have a nice bit of a discussion. Maybe we can watch uh, some TV together, and, uh, and then I'll see you tomorrow at the same time. It's not scheduled. It's just the easy pouring out my heart to her and Gloria pouring out her heart to me. That's what prayer is. I know some of you are saying, man, I tried I tried prayer, it doesn't, doesn't happen, nothing much happened. I gave it a shot. Prayer's hard. We shake our heads and we say it's, it's not easy. As if to say God isn't always there. And the truth of the matter is, is that he is there, but we just haven't given him a chance. So here's, here's what we need to do. We need to schedule our time every day and just say, God, I'm going to deliberately give you time in my, in my busy day. Three times for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And let God touch your heart. I'm going to ask the baptismal, baptismal candidates if you want to make your way out now to prepare for baptism. And as they go, let me just remind you of what baptism is all about. Baptism is all about What Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. When we baptize people, what we do is we, we put them under the water and then we pull them back out again because we believe that that best represents Jesus Christ dying, being buried, and rising again from the dead. That's why we baptize like that. 
Now, the interesting thing, folks, about, about prayer at the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour is that we find on the day that Jesus died, we see something very interesting happening at the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour. At the third hour, Jesus was crucified. At the sixth hour, darkness came upon the earth. The Bible, this is what the Gospels say, you can look it up. On the ninth hour, Jesus died and went to be with the Father. It's interesting, isn't it? The Gospels make it very clear that on the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour, that these are times of prayer. And then we see these very numbers mentioned on the day that Jesus dies and goes to the cross. What is the message that the gospel writers have for us? I'll tell you very clearly what it is. Is it Jesus Christ's death on the cross makes it possible for you and I to go into the very presence of Almighty God Pour out our heart to him to tell him what we need. Jesus Christ, his death at the cross, makes it possible for you and I to enter the presence of Almighty God. Every time you go to pray, and if you choose to choose the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour or other times, fine. But remember this it's possible because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross for you and me. You and I have been made right with God through Jesus Christ if you put your faith in him. And these people here today who are being baptized, they have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said, Lord Jesus, we're trusting you for salvation. We're trusting you for eternal life. This is what prayer is all about. It's all about God making it possible for you and I to commune with him. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you today that of all the things that we should be doing as Christians, the most important thing of all is to pray. And we see it reflected in the day that Jesus was crucified and when he died and went to be with you. God, we pray today that we would understand that at the very center of our faith is a call to pray. A pray to commun- a pr- uh, 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 is a call to come and communicate with you, Lord, what's in our hearts, to fellowship with you, to enjoy you. And so, God, we want to pray right now that you give us all, each and every one of us, a renewed love for you, a renewed desire to go into your presence, a renewed desire to pray, to seek your face. God, thank you right now that through Jesus Christ, we have access to God, the almighty God, the one who is able to do great and mighty things, the one who is able to answer our prayer, the one who is able to help us and to strengthen us. And we pray that in your name. And everyone said it? Amen. We're going to invite you to stay with us as we as we have a baptismal service, it'll only take a few minutes, but if you could stay with us, we'd appreciate it so much. If you must go, you may go uh, during the, the, the video clip, but uh, thank you for sharing in this special time.